<laughs> and a couple of readings from the scripture, a reading from Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah 8, I'm reading from verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the East and the West. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is what the Lord Almighty says. You who now hear these words spoken by the prophets who were there when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Let your hand be strong so that the temple may be built. Before that time there were no wages of man or beast. No man could go about his business safely because of the enemy. For I have turned every man against his neighbour. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. The seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its drops, and the heavens will drop their dew. There are all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of the people. Then to verse 20, 22. How many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat them? This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, Let us go with you, because we have heard that God is with you. Note to Matthew 25. Verse 33. Jesus will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you. When did they see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Amen. May God have the blessing for the reading of his word. I just want to share with you this morning some of the things the Lord's been saying to me during lockdown. Jesus said, no, let him have his ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So if you have any inkling what you think God's been saying to you during this time, I'd be delighted to be sharing with me. And I've just got three things that God was saying to me during this lockdown period. The first is, this will pass. And the second is, return equals restoration and revival. And the third is to do with the end time ministry. Well, this will pass. 
You remember that you call the many crises in your life? When you get to my age, you can count a lot of them. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is the past. The past. And you thought the earth was holding up. You said, what is happening? My world's falling apart. But it's past. And there will come a time when we speak of the coronavirus. As you remember those days when we couldn't get to church. And likewise, whatever you're going through right now will also pass. The problem is that when we're in the midst of a situation, we can't see the end. We don't see the way out. There seems no light of the tunnel. And no matter what you're facing, whether it's finance, job, money, sickness, whatever it is, let me assure you, God has a limit on your trials. There will be no trial or temptation taking you, but that which you are able. God sets a limit. When he said to this why he said the wilderness for 40 years. God determined the 40 years. He said that with 40 years, a year for every day, of the 40 days that he's quite glad. God set the limit. And they wandered about the wilderness and they were like, goodness me, why did you bring us to this desolate place where you better die in Egypt? We want bread, we want water, we want meat, and they were a morning people. But the beautiful thing was, God went with them in the cloud and the fire and the depression of food. And he took Babylon, Israel of Babylon, after the 70 years exile. God determined the 70 years. He said it's 70 years because the 70 Sabbaths you'll be neglected. You'll be in the exile for 70 years. But in the exile, the people didn't realize that the seven years, you know, we don't believe the prophets, do we? We get caught up in the circumstances. And they were so miserable in Babylon, I said, oh, we can't sing the Lord's song in a strange land. You remember Miriam? Miriam and complained about Moses. God shouldn't you just, he speaks to us as well as you. Who do you think you are? And God stopped Miriam with leprosy. And put her out the camp. You can imagine her. God, what have I done? <laughs> I've blown it. I've ruined it. Look at me. What am I going to do the rest of my life? But God put a limit on it. God says seven days. Now I tell you this, in day six, <laughs> Miriam was still worried about her mind. But God has set a limit. And Saul of Tarsus had his confrontation with Jesus. Knocked off his high horse, struck blind, led by the hand to Damascus. He was so concerned and worried, he said, he couldn't eat for three, or sleep for three days. I'm blind. What have I done? I must have deserved this, but what have I done to the church? But God sends Ananias, and Ananias comes and says, Saul, after three days, Saul, Jesus has sent me that you may. Receive your sight. The good thing is to know that God sets the limit, and the limit is within your limit. For He will not test you beyond that which you're able, or able, and He'll make a way of escape. So these things will pass, but we call a memory, like all the other things in your life that passed. 
second thing God was thinking about was when we return, when the church returns. We were in exile at the moment. We're locked out. Because said, when we return, though, we're returning to a time of restoration. All through the Old Testament, every returning was a time of restoration and a time of revival. Under the Old Testament prophets, you know, they're constantly telling the people to repent and turn to God. That was under the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was blessed. Be the word that you were blessed. This will be the word, the covenant, and you'll be cursed. Now, the curse was something that God removed his hand. God removed his hand. Well, fight your own battles and see how you do. But all the Old Testament prophets, you know, the prophecy was always for now and the yet to be. The for now and the yet to be. It met the needs of the situation and held up the promise of the future. And the future was always in Christ. In Isaiah, the yet to be was a virgin shall bring forth the son. The suffering servant will come. In Jeremiah, it was there'll be a day when the Gentiles will be brought into salvation. And in Ezekiel, he the before and after. In chapter 3, he speaks about the branch of the real David that will come. In verse 12, it talks about him whom the pierced shall they see. So they spoke about God's deliverance now and the future deliverance of the people of God in Christ. The beautiful thing is, in the Old Testament, you know, they had to keep repenting and sort of throw out and come back to God in order to restore covenant. In the New Testament, the covenant is in Christ. It's not to do with our behavior. We don't want for our salvation. <laughs> we want because we're saved. We don't want to be saved. We want because we are saved. Because we're in Christ. And in Christ there's no condemnation. In Christ, we're reconciled to God. In Christ, we're already secure in Him. So the beautiful thing is that the blessings of the prophecies, they are yet to be, is our now time. <laughs> we are there. Christ has come. And we are in the good and blessing of it. So let's look at the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah means God remembered. God remembers. And he brings forth his prophecy at a time when Israel's coming out of Babylon back to Jerusalem and God's restored the temple and the building. That's a, it's a desolate prospect. Jerusalem's been flattened. <laughs> it's been raised to the ground. There's no city wall. There's no houses in the city. And the king of Babylon releases them to go back and build the temple. And God encouraged them. God says, I'll be there because I'm for you. I'll be there because I care. I'll be there because I'm involved. And then he says, if you think the prospect is too much, nothing is too much for me. And then he promises you blessing. When you come back, he says, the vine will give forth its fruit. The sowing and the harvesting will come back. I'll turn your morning feast into feasts of celebration. While they were in Babylon, they had a feast every second month 
the more that the feast to more <laughs> that pity party, mourning the law, mourning the destruction of Jerusalem, mourning that captivity, mourning the rest. And God says that I'm going to turn those mourning feasts into feasts of celebration because I am your God. What a wonderful prospect, eh? <coughs> so we can take comfort that God has promised Israel when you come back to the sanctuary, I'm going to be there. And I say to the church today, when you come back, <laughs> you're not going back to church, you're going back to me, because I'm going to be there. And I'll give you the same blessing. Prophesize good things, but things are changing. He prophesied, you know, you were a bad news. I will make you become a good news people. That's it. That's one thing. God's going to change our reputation. We're no longer going to be a buying water. We'll be a good news people. He says, I will move in a way that will attract people from all over who will come to seek and to see what God is doing to get it. Because things are changing. I am building, rebuilding Zion. What a prospect when the church returns. God doing a new thing in our midst. A move of God, it says, that will draw people from all parts. You remember the Toronto Blessing? People came from Japan, Asia, Korea, Europe, the UK, all over to see what God was doing. And God moved in Azusa Street in 1906 with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit afresh. It spread right across the world. Churches all were wanting to get in it. And God says, when I move again, people will come from all over to get in it. And God before us, <laughs> who can be against it? Greater is he that's in you than he is in me. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that's at work in you. So we are new beginnings. We can rise up and say, Lord, let me do it here. Let us see the sowing and the harvesting of souls. Let us become the good news people. Establish your church by your presence. Let it be known abroad that you're in this place. Let us embrace the change. Let's be ready for it. Be an expectation of it. Welcome to where we're going. For the promises are yes and that many Christ. And raised from a final point, which was the end time ministries. We're seeing a time of transition just now. A paradigm shift. God always uses situations to move the church on. When the church in Jerusalem get kind of settled, they were having great times of revival. He says, thousands upon thousands of Jews are turning to Christ. <laughs> and Paul witnessed them and said, just notice how many thousands of Jews are there in Jerusalem. Started off on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 saying, we met at 5,000, and it was growing. 
and they just got complacent. They forgot the commission. It's to Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea. But we're so busy in Jerusalem. But God moves it. Sends Peter off to Cornelius and the Gentiles get back. Sends Philip off to Samaria. Brings persecution to Jerusalem that scatters the church throughout Asia. And they said they went about gossiping the gospel. Gossiping the gospel. Everywhere they went. God moved them out. And this time of death, there's been a shift. There'll be a shift of emphasis in ministry. It will move from the iconic worship leader to the mega preacher, or the mega preacher, to the servant, to the end time ministries, or the ministries at the heart of Jesus. We read Matthew 25, and Jesus separates the sheep with the goats. He said, Come on, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom when you fed me. He didn't say, Well, how many servants I preach? How often were you in church? You fed me. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was naked. I was in prison. I was sick. The heart of the ministry of Jesus is a people ministry. And during this lockdown of found you new ways of serving God. We found we don't have to be on the platform. We don't have to be in the building. The people are on a doorstep. And we can reach out. Acts of love. Be in the arms of Jesus. Be the one that feeds, the one that clothes, the one that praises. Now that doesn't mitigate or denigrate the meetings. The Bible is not says a sermon to forsake God sending us together. But the purpose of meeting together is to strengthen and edify ourselves for the ministry of the For the ministry of the Ministers will receive. We're in the field. I want to tell you that you don't need to take a ship or a very way to be a missionary. You shall be my witnesses. You're in the field. Let us be the light. Let us be the good news people. And somewhere then, whatever trials you're in right now, The prophecies and blessings of the Old Testament prophets for the yet to be alone and we can claim them for God. You're anointed. You have the help of the Holy Spirit to witness, to win souls, to be good news. You're a blessing to others by doing them good. You begin this church, start with a vision of being a safe house. When God gave Israel the promised land, he established cities of refuge. New beginnings will be a city of refuge. It will be noise abroad. God is in that place. And those who are fed, those who are clothed, 
those who have helped, those who have looked it up, will bring them in. And God will establish his church by his presence. Dear Lord, bless you. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and promises to be with us. Your test is above that which we're able, but we make the way we see. We thank the Lord that you put the limit in all our trials. And we thank you for your promised blessing. A time of harvest, sowing and reaping. A time of rejoicing and celebration. Because your presence is there. Grant the Lord that we do indeed do a new thing in this. And we become that good news people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.